Last Sunday, we concluded our Advent and Christmas and Epiphany sermon series, The Divine Drama, as we did celebrate Epiphany and how we are touched by light. And we celebrated the incredible gift of communion on the first Sunday of the new year. Existentially, my least favorite time of the year is the period leading up to December 21st, the longest night of the year, when there's the least amount of daylight. I love the light. And those weeks leading up to the 21st can, for many, be a depressing and discouraging time. It's dark. It's cold. Have you ever had a time in your life when it just felt like somebody pulled the plug out? At times, life can seem empty, difficult, and dark. And at other times, life can seem full and smooth and bright. And so with the memory of the past year so starkly real, with its good and bad, its ups and its downs, we renew together here in the beginning of 2019 the familiar rhythms of church life as we step into a winter series of sermons, Once Upon a Time and Ever After, Exploring Unsafe Stories as we look at several fairy tales in the coming weeks. I want to frame the beginning of our sermon series with two thoughts. The first is from Bruno Bettelheim in his book, The Uses of Enchantment. And he writes, Safe stories mention neither death nor aging, the limits to our existence, nor the wish for eternal life. The fairy tale, by contrast, confronts the child squarely with the basic human predicament. The second thought is from G.K. Chesterton in his book, Orthodoxy. My first and last philosophy, that which I believe in with unbroken certainty, I learned in the nursery. The things I believe most in then, the things I believe most now, are the things called fairy tales. Their message is that life is not only a pleasure, but a kind of eccentric privilege. And so together on these winter Sundays, we're going to explore the eccentric privilege, which is our individual life and our life together in community, as we allow the images of the fairy tale to interface with the mystery and high moment of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, for some, it may take a little while to get into this. I recognize that. Maybe it's been a long time since you've encountered any fairy tales. But from the folk tales of the Brothers Grimm comes this brief but intense tale of the golden stars. So I want you to kind of get into a mindset to hear a fairy tale. Maybe you go back to when you were a child, 
sitting on your mom or dad's lap or grandma or grandpa. Or maybe when you were reading a fairy tale to one of your kids. Whatever it takes, just let your mind go to that place where you can hear this fairy tale afresh. So here goes. There once upon a time was a little girl whose father and mother were dead. And she was so poor that she no longer had a room to live in or a bed to sleep in. And at last she had nothing else but the clothes she was wearing and a little bit of bread in her hand, which some charitable soul had given her. She was good and pious, and she was thus yet forsaken by all the world. And so she went forth into the open country, trusting in the good God. Then a poor man met her and said, Ah, give me something to eat. I am so hungry. She handed him the whole of her piece of bread and said, May God bless you, sir. And she went onward. Then came a child who moaned and said, My head is so cold, give me something to cover it with. So she took off her hood and gave it to the young child. When she met another child who had no jacket and was frozen with cold, then she gave her jacket away. And a little further on, one begged for a frock, and she gave that away as well. And at last she went into a forest when it had already become dark. And there came yet another child and asked even for her undershirt. And the good little girl thought to herself, it's dark here, it's night, no one will see. You can very well give your shirt away. And she took it off and gave that away as well. And so she stood. She had no single thing left, not a thing. When suddenly, some stars from heaven fell down. And they were nothing else but hard, smooth pieces of gold. And although she had just given her shirt away, she had a new one, which was of the very finest linen. Then she put the gold into the apron of the shirt and was rich all the days of her life. What a strange story that is. For this little girl was alone in a difficult and dark world, feeling empty, much as we do when it's as though someone has pulled the plug. She had no meaningful link to her past. Her mother and father were dead. She had no viable present, no room or bed. Simply the clothes on her back and a piece of bread. And she set out into the dark forest, trusting only in the hidden goodness of God. And one by one, she gave up her possessions to those she perceived to be more needy than herself until at last she stood naked in the nocturnal forest with nothing left. And suddenly, some stars fell from heaven, and clothed in a new shirt of fine linen, she gathers the fragments, which she finds to be gold. And she was rich all the days of her life. What a strange tale that is. Now, in verses 2 and 3 that Melanie read for us, Paul says, we long to put on our heavenly dwelling so that we will not be found naked. You see, Paul knew the darkness of the forest and the naked exposure that Christian living and giving brings. But he longed to be further clothed so that the transitory might be absorbed into the life that is eternal. 
a strange fairy tale matched by strange words from the Apostle Paul, which even more strangely lead to communion with Christ. You know, the word communion is simply the Latin com and union, and C-O-M means with, union with. Communion, union with Christ. For we are those who symbolically stand naked and empty in a dark wood before life's incessant needs. And we long for that real life of which the gospel speaks, which can only be felt when we give, when we give. And the eternal touches us for a brief moment in the temporal. That's what the Lord's Supper symbolizes. Not that we can understand it. The bread of our struggle, the wine of our pain, broken for us and poured out for us in the life and death of Jesus our Lord. You see, sometimes it's good to reflect on communion, not on Communion Sunday, but on an ordinary Sunday such as today. And yet it's close enough we can connect it because for those who were here last week, we can bring that memory right back to the front of our minds. For this is strange stuff indeed, especially for the rational, modern, I've got it all under control, no problem, travelers in time that we think we are. And if we enter into this mystery of giving, stripped and naked, as it were, God clothes us in linen, which is a symbol for purity. If you think back to last Sunday, what was on the communion table? A white linen tablecloth. And for a brief moment, we are touched in time by something beyond time. And it's the same message as Christmas. That's why C.S. Lewis could tell us from the depths of his own fear and struggle in that dark world, all that is not eternal is eternally out of date. Communion and Christmas are so timely for us because they touch us from beyond time. For while we are still in this tent, Paul wrote, we groan under our burden because we wish not to be unclothed, but to be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So Paul tells us in verse 4, and furthermore, we are always of good courage, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Indeed, it does take courage and faith to walk in the dark when we feel empty inside. And so the little girl of our fairy tale stands naked, alone, and empty in the dark woods of life, and star fragments which shower to earth are found to be of gold. Now, gold, by the way, is the symbol in all mythology of that which is precious and life-giving. And whenever you have a dream that has gold in it, that represents something precious toward which your soul is striving. The stars fall, and these are little pieces 
of gold. For you see, communion and Christmas are God's golden gift. These gifts touch us when we are most exposed, when we are most afraid, and when we are most empty. I say they touch us most because that's when we're most receptive, when we're empty, when we're in a dark place, when everything's fine, everything's hunky-dory. The gifts are nice. But when are gifts most appreciated? When we find ourselves in the greatest need. The paradox is we are touched both through giving and being given. And as we receive Christ's body and Christ's blood, when we do partake in communion, God touches us with these tangible signs in time, which energize us through a mystery beyond time. God's golden gift renews his life in us. And that life prompts an inner courage to continue the journey empowered by faith and not simply what appears to be real. God always, always, always wants to give us something new. And this little girl who trusted God for her life gave everything, everything she had, and she gained everything she had longed for. She put gold in her linen shirt and was rich all the days of her life. That's a fairy tale. That's a fairy tale. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the mystery of God coming to us in Christ. A gift that comes. It comes through the incarnation. It comes through communion. It comes any time we experience the presence of Christ. When we have union with Christ. God's tangible presence in your life and mine. So I close with words of the poet Patrick Kirby in a piece called A Song for These Days. Only out of chaos, creation. Only out of confusion, order. Only from our decay, the new shoots of a new earth. Only out of darkness, light unquenchable. And a new heaven filled with new stars. Thanks be to God for the golden gifts that keep on coming through Jesus Christ our Lord that makes us rich in faith and presence all the days of our life. Amen.